I'm John Hall. This is Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. And this is Brandon Jones of Embrace the Funk and Yazoo Brewing. You know, the word sour, I still think just kind of kind of gives this connotation that you're about to try something that's very different than what you think beer is. And it it's a mental preparation. It's the it's probably the the low lying fruit, the the thing that just pe- makes people go, wait a minute, I okay. Let me take a step and yeah. let me let me try this and hopefully that opens your mind a little bit. Our full conversation is coming up next, but first, I'm happy to tell you that this episode is brought to you by Cigar City Brewing. I've known the folks behind the brewery since almost back to when it opened in 2007, and over the years, I've had the chance to visit Tampa during their annual Hunapu Day Festival. Yes, it's a day of big imperial stouts, but it's also a chance to try beers from around the country poured by the brewers themselves. I know we're living in an age of small boutique beer gatherings, but there's still a lot of fun to be had at the big festivals, and Hunapu should be on your list. Mark your calendar for March 13th, 2020 at the Amelie Arena in Tampa. There'll be over 100 breweries from far and wide, and it's a true craft experience for all beer drinkers. You can learn more at CigarCityBrewing.com. And Drink Beer, Think Beer is produced by Beer Edge, the newsletter for beer professionals. A subscription to Beer Edge provides readers with smart and critical insights into the business and culture of beer. We talk directly to the players making an impact and report stories our audience has not heard before. The team at Beer Edge offers up a fresh and unfiltered look at the world of beer. Subscribe at BeerEdge.com. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, John Hall. And this week, the show is back in Nashville, and I'm talking with Brandon Jones of Embrace the Funk. I've known Brandon for years now and always look forward to our conversations. We both spent years working in newsrooms, he in television, me in print, but the approach is the same. His ability to look at all angles of something, in this case beer, along with a clear and easy way of sharing information, is just one of the reasons he's so respected as a wild and sour beer maker in the United States and beyond. In this interview, recorded at the Yazoo Brewery on New Year's Eve day, we get into what it means to be a sour beer, the education that goes into helping customers better understand and appreciate the style, and even changing the perception of what it can be. We also talk about the upcoming Funk Fest, a gathering that Brandon has created that brings together some of the best brewers in the country for an intimate afternoon to try some of the best spontaneous and, well, funky beers available. I'm happy to say that I'll be there, and Beer Edge will be working on the educational content that will be presented that day. So mark your calendars for Saturday, May 2nd in Nashville for Funk Fest. Tickets will go fast, so claim yours today. As we sat down with mugs of dark lager brewed by Yazoo, I wanted to try to understand the world of sour beers a little more. So I posed the question to Brandon, a proper newsman, on how words and descriptions can steer us towards a deeper appreciation. And so we start there, on descriptions that can help with the anticipation and follow-through, even before you take a first sip. Here's the conversation. I don't think people are looking for a 25-word description, but I think a lot of times with these little these little luxuries that you want to put in your glass, I, I do think that they want a little bit more. I do think that people want a little bit of care um, and, and a little bit of attention paid to what they're getting in their glass. I don't, I don't think that people are, are not open to having... I don't think they feel like they're being down, you know, talked down to, or I think a lot of people are just really interested in education. And I think if you're going to pay some of the prices that the beers cost, and I I think the time that's given to make some of the beers, I think that they're appreciative of a few other little details in, you know, in the glass, in the bottle, 
you brought up something that I wasn't actually thinking about before we sat down, but price. And that's one of these things that is a difficult thing to focus on, I think, right? Or, or to, to, to really set because it's not necessarily, you have some brewers who are like, hey, here's something that we turned around in four days and we think it's rare, so we want $20 out of your wallet kind of thing. And then there's other beers that people are making that, hey, this took us two years, three years, five years, you know, whatever. When does what you're going to price a beer come into play? I mean, our our pricing structure is pretty is pretty straightforward. I mean, we have we have two separate price kind of tiers that, that we put things into, and yeah, it does deal with fresh barrels versus used barrels versus stainless versus fruit. Yeah. Um, I, I do struggle with some of it in the in our twelve ounce bottles that are higher alcohol beers that I would like to uh, you know I'd like to put in twelve ounce bottles because I think that they. Um, just ABV wise probably deserve to be in there, but we end up going with the 500 milliliter bottles just because that's kind of our pricing structure to, uh, to the distributors. But, um, <clears throat> you know, as far, as far as what I look at, and we, and we, we've recently introduced to, um, the, uh, our 375 milliliter green bottles, which is obviously a little, little bigger than a 350 something milliliter slash 12 ounce bottle. Um, but we've, structured that price uh, to be the same because it is our saison was our first one that we released in in those so um you know, I, I i sort of look at it too as far as uh is, is drinkability especially that's why i chose the saison to go yeah. in that first uh that first 375 mil mil bottle plus it was green and i wanted to do green bottles this was recently that you guys did green bottles yeah we did uh, a couple months ago um i've always enjoyed uh, you know i think that um we're doing this in jan uh late december almost yeah. january now at this yeah point, we so. were and i'd have to go back and look but i think we were maybe august september ish when we did uh the most recent batch uh, okay. of saison but um, I've just always enjoyed, regardless of what, of what some folks, um, you know, have have implied on uh, beer Twitter, that I think that um, I think that saison in green bottles really has a different fun character to it. It's something that I particularly enjoy. Um, well, I mean, I share that. Like, yeah, what I, is I, it that like the the thing that shows I, up? What appeals? What shows up? Yeah, I mean, there's. I think people there's there's this whole thing where people are like, oh, it's it's green, it's skunky, it's skunky, and they just throw that word. Out. I'm like, you like, yeah, but there are other interactions. It's not just one simple chemical reaction inside there that you know, that causes skunk. I mean, of course, if you have like you know some massive IPA, yeah, and you sit out in the sun on a patio for, you know, 45 minutes and sip on the same beer. Yeah. It's probably going to get some, some light strike character. But if you're talking about a mixed culture beer that has gone through, you know, eight, nine months of barrel conditioning, it's already got some inherent funky wild character to it. It's got some lemon acidity to it. That bit of that bit of light struck and that chemical reaction is is a pleasing thing to me you know and it doesn't have to be overwhelming i mean i don't think a lot of people understand too it's it's the reaction with hop oils yeah to to the to the light so in our saison we don't use a ton of of hops in there i mean and they're all low alpha so they're low oil anyway so there's there's a little pleasing character to it that i that i enjoy 
how do you describe what that pleasing character is? Because if if you smell something and in your mind you're either going to go to skunk or you're going to go to you know bad pot, mm-hmm. but like it's when it's pleasing for you, mm-hmm. how does it show up where you're not describing something that has an aroma that is in our own brains unpleasant. So I get out of ours, and and I would go back to um, when Saison Dupont changed. Um, you would get this really nice pear, grassy kind of bright, fresh cut grass character out of it that I think is in, the skunk still there in the background, and you have to like fight through. No, not for no, me. Not for you. Not for okay. me. It's not. It's it's a. It's simply that to me, it's that uh, that chemical reaction creates a different character for me. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have to. You know, it doesn't have to be skunk. I, you know, it's probably the same reason that some people can go sit out in, at the beach all day long and they can get tan, whereas somebody like me, I would go out and get red. Yeah. No, I'm clear. You so know, like, so yeah, I go from. <laughs> yeah, I get burnt in the moonlight. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> So, I mean, it's, it's two different reactions to the sun, I think. And I, I personally, you know, I personally think those characters add to, you know, you, in some, in some Saison yeasts and some Belgian yeast, I think you will get those, those types of characters immediately, um, just based on the phenolics of the yeast and how that yeast reacts to consuming sugars. But you know, I, I think you, you do, you do get a better, you know, better layer is there, is there a benefit to green glass? Is there, or is it well? Not more, in all it, styles. Okay, no, but but for the beers that like when you're putting a beer in a green glass, is it, is there the benefit or is it aesthetic uh, based on history or, you know, just because it's a cool thing to do, is the price point right? Like what what, where does that fall? I mean, we wouldn't. I, I honestly, it's it's harder for me to do the green glass. It is because our bottle filler that that cranks out uh, that fills and purges and does everything automatic. And I just kind of stand back and monitor the levels. That would be much easier for me to do. So I feel like there is a benefit to the green glass and it's not and the green glass is a little more expensive too. Is it? Okay. And then 12 ounce bottles that we could put it in. So, you know, I, I personally feel like, yeah, there is, I think there's an added layer in there that you do not get with Amber, Amber glass. Um, for you know, there's multiple styles you could put in there. You know, some of the spontaneous beers, um, but mostly I'm just speaking on saison, just because that's what we have have right now available. Yeah. But I think that there is certainly a layer, and I think there's nuance in there, and I think it is added value. Uh, and I do think that the punt of glass that we get that holds a higher volume than the 12 ounce amber bottles gives us the ability to carbonate the beers higher which I think adds a little bit extra to the mouthfeel. It makes it spritzy, zippy, you know, gets it to those quote-unquote Saison levels of carbonation, which we just couldn't do in our amber bottles. We'll have more of the conversation in just a brief moment. But first, I wanted to thank this episode's sponsor, Cigar City Brewing. Their support helps keep the lights on here, and as you look towards spring, you should get Hunapu Day on your beer travel list. This year, it's March 13th, 2020 in Tampa, and you can learn more at cigarcitybrewing.com slash events. And now, back to my conversation with Brandon Jones of Embrace the Funk. When you're trying to make a beer that resembles Cezanne de Pont or mines that vein of a certain style that 
certain beer drinkers know and respect really well. Does that take time to get to? Could could you have launched Embrace the Funk and done the Cezanne that you're doing right now, do you think? Or does that come with time of learning microbes and recipes and yourself as a brewer, maybe? Yeah, I think that what a lot of people could, what you could rush into, maybe you shouldn't as far as like delicate styles. Yeah. Uh, to me, Cezanne has always been this delicate whether, you know, the origins were just what they were using to, you know, to con- you know, make some sort of consumable liquid, uh, whatever you, you know, want to believe on the on the story and the origins of, of Cezanne. I, you know, I do think in my mind what it is, and I think it's, I think it's a, it's a bright, easy drinking, layered, yet complex, but simple beer and I don't think that that's something that you can that you can just say hey I'm going to make a saison and you know throw this yeast in there and and all of a sudden you have a you have a saison I I don't I don't believe that at all what was your journey um well the very the very first beer back in back in the homebrew days which I think were uh my origins were about 20 years ago now um the very first beer I actually won a medal for uh, was in a North Carolina homebrew competition um, called uh, Malt. Maybe it was called Malt. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to recall the the competition. I guess it doesn't really matter. But uh, <laughs> very first competition I ever entered, and uh, I, I I I was a bit confused because at the time some of the 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 labs, uh, Y Yeast and uh, White Labs, were releasing. Saison strains and Belgian strains, and then they came out with this like farmhouse strain. I was like, well, you know, that sounds kind of cool. What's a farmhouse beer? Yeah. And so I didn't really, again, this is early 2000s, and I just didn't really understand like what's the day. You know, I think we're probably still asking ourselves now what the hell's the difference between a Saison and a farmhouse ale. But I didn't know what a farmhouse ale was, and so I bought this yeast. And then I spoke with some friends and, and, uh, you know, just decided, I think I just did a hundred percent Pilsner malt and maybe some sods hops and, uh, fermented this, uh, this out with this, uh, this yeast strain and, um, and one, you know, one, a blue, blue ribbon, my very yeah. first competition I ever entered and, That's uh, cool. which has been sort of the, um, the catalyst that that same recipe we've got some wheat in ours now but um sort of the same catalyst for the for the recipe we do for for saison de bois now um and we also use uh my my favorite strain uh which comes from blagy uh that i i slotted out of a bottle 15 16 years ago uh, that we that we really like, so I think we get some good. I think we get some good esters out of it. I think that uh, the breath that's in our barrels provides some good esterification uh, along the six to eight month journey that it goes. You know, that it goes through and the evolution of it. I think produces in the end some really some really fun citrus characters. Yet it's really dry, but it's not overwhelming. Again, it's 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 complex simplicity. I think there's a lot of trust that goes into drinking something from a brewer where I have to trust you as the guy who made the beer or the person who made the beer, um, that what you're putting in front of me is what you believe is your best representation. And, and, and there's pressure that comes, you know, from, from, you know, being a brewer for that, especially in 
the sour, wild, spontaneous, whatever world that, that, that you're living in especially. I'm curious when you find a yeast strain that you like, what you were just talking about, the one that, that, that spoke to you and that, that you're using. And then you have to sort of convince the rest of us. You're the Pied Piper leading us uh, along. And, and, and I'm saying this in like every brewer sense. It's not just you, but it's also, you know, what uh, Lauren Limbach is laugh. doing. It's what, it's what Vinnie Trulers is doing. It's, it, it, it's what all of these brewers are doing. Mm-hmm. For your strain, what was the tune? What led you to that? And then how do you convince the rest of us to follow you down the road. Well, I say the the original thing that led me led me to that was somebody told me you could propagate yeast out of a out of a bottle. Sure. And I was like, well, that sounds kind of cool. I mean, that's something I could do on a on an afternoon. So I had the beer. I liked the beer. Um, I you know just decided that I was going to try to step that yeast up, and I liked the pepper character to it. I liked that it didn't stall. I mean, the big thing but back that's in what the early for two, is like the actual like yeah you know, flavor profiles of these. Well, things. back then too, there was you know remember too in the in the early two thousands the big thing, and especially in the homebrew world was oh you can't use Dupont strain because that's going to stall out at 10, you know, at 1020 every single time, every single time. People are just adamant about that. Wasn't there also and, like things on like the, the, the message boards of like, and they'll sue you too. Like they'll find out and like, they'll come after you like litigiously. Like, is that, that that's, yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe I, 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 I feel like it. I remember like hearing people like, well, well they mean, own that yeast. Well, I mean, I if like, you could, ah, you can sue over lot. coffee, I guess hot coffee, <laughs> you can probably, <laughs> uh, but you know, Back then, so I you know, I was always kind of worried. Too. I was like, well, I don't really like sweet beer, and so I figured that you know I can try this out, and uh, and I did, and I like the I like the flavor profile on it. The things that I did like about it was it it, it was dry, it it fermented quickly, it yeah. produced black pepper, um, produced a little, you know a little bit of almost. Um, uh, spicy, uh, not I don't want to say like green pepper, but just uh, you know, again, some some fresh cut grass aromatics to it. I mean, just it reminded me of a good you know of a good place. So that's why I I personally preferred that yeast. And I think you I think as a brewer too, and uh, you know, even myself, uh, seven eight years ago when we started doing some of these beers, you know, you do take a leap of faith. I mean, you say you're the Pied Piper of of doing certain things, but it is a leap of faith in some aspects where, you know, you don't know if somebody's going to like this beer. It's something you, you prefer. It's, it's like a, you know, a funny joke that you sometimes that you think somebody's going to like, and then the crowd doesn't laugh. So I, I personally really, <laughs> it's a story of my life, but yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, it's, it, it is, you, you try to please you, you're, you're almost. Uh, I left the inter- almost. Uh, I left the entertainment industry to go into another inter- entertainment industry. Almost, and you you try to think about what other people and you try to put other people ahead of you so many times, and you just hope that they enjoy the things that you've created. You hope that you know the the nights that that you sat there and tried to create something unique and something fun and something memorable for them. And you've done something that's that's different. I, again, going back to unique, but yeah, I, I think that it is, you know, a, a certain aspect of, of this industry is is still very much entertainment. That's really interesting, though. 
of entertainment because it is. It's an escape. It's uh, it's mm-hmm. it's it's binge watching a show. It's it's going out to a movie. It's catching live. Well, music. you're creating it's, a product too that can either make the worst day of somebody's life better or the best day of their life more elevated. And I think that that's I think that's an important thing for people to remember that. You know, I, I don't ever want to, you know, seem like a Debbie Downer, but, you know, if you've had some tragic event and, you know, there's some comforting, some comfort in some sort of liquid or libation that I've made that you can put in a glass that just, you know, kind of gives you just even seconds or minutes of just, yeah, just take a breath or, you know, you're getting married. You had a baby, you know, your, your family just had a baby, man, we're going to celebrate. Let's do this. Boom. You pop this off. It's, there's so much yin and yang there to these products that we do. And, you know, it's, I, I, I do think, yeah, we're certainly, we're certainly trying, you know, I don't, I'd be, I'd be lying if I said I thought about those when I'm creating, creating those products. Uh, you know, I just trying to do something that I think that would make somebody have a, you know, have a nice day. So much of what we drink of, uh, or when we drink, like when people, the question I get, I guess, is is the good way of saying this is, you know, people say, what, you know, what's the best beer you ever had? And it's usually not about the beer in the glass, but it's the situation that I was in, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, and it just happened that I was drinking this particular beer at this particular time. Mm-hmm. Do you have a memory of a beer that you were drinking when you had something that was just a special moment for you? Well, the first one, and, and I was going to tell we were in full disclosure before we started this interview, John and Linus <laughs> and I, we were downstairs in the tap room at the brewery having a few beers. We were drinking, and, uh, uh, what are we drinking? Dunkel? We're drinking the uh, Czech lager, the, the Czech dark lager, Czech yeah. lager that uh, we brewed for our uh, 16th anniversary um, this year, which, woo, 16. <laughs> Um, but it was on the driver's license. So you've heard the Linus episode and it was, you know, Hey, we need to go upstairs and record with, uh, with Brandon. And, uh, and then we'd just pour another glass and then like, you know, we were just like talking shit about our lives for a while. And then it was like, okay, we need to go upstairs. Well, let's pour another one. And then like, it just continued for, I don't know how many rounds now, but yeah, cool. (laughs) Uber is home for everybody. That's right. Um, so uh, the the thing that I was going to tell downstairs because we were talking about some of the conferences and things that uh, the that we do, conferences, yeah. yeah, just the things that we do and the times that John and I get to meet and and you know the different places you go and I was thinking about you know this going to Denver and you know I've been to I feel like I've been to every every place in Denver you know sixteen times and but John and I end up meeting at uh, at Falling Rock. He's kind of sitting over in the corner, and yeah. uh, you know, we just, you know, sitting down, and he's got a, you know, plate of food, and of course I'm, as I do, you know, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm a little bit hungry, so I sit down beside him, like, hey, I'm gonna, you know, grab a little something to eat, and you know, we just get there and talk, you know, talk I have for no a little idea while. Where you're going with this story? And there, it's there's, me there, yeah. there's no bad end game to this. <laughs> it's just I recall, I, I recall just sitting there. And all this stuff is happening and just having a great time yeah. chatting over, over a blind pig. Yeah. I remember us sitting there talking about 
how much we just enjoyed the hell out of Russian River Blind Pig and what a fantastic beer it is and what a beer that I think some people would call old money but it's still crazy sales I was out in Santa Rosa last year and just the amount of people buying Blind Pig to go out of out of the brew pub is just it's it's amazing in a, in a world where I think some people plenty of people frown upon any sort of filtration or finings or shelf stability or just beautifully I don't think they frown on beautifully composed beers, but I just don't think that at, at this point that some some folks really really see through past maybe one or two layers on it, and even this amazing IPA that has you know that has citrus that has this funk like not funk but like yeah. just just pine character to it. It's it's got a little Genesequai. It's got a little yeah. like it, it has like a little bit of like a metallic tartness. Like there there's a little bit there's of like there's a dryness there. There's that like I a, love. There, there's there's a Salvatore smackness to mm-hmm. it of just yeah. Yeah, and that's a good beer name. Salvatore uh, smackness. Yeah. Yeah. Um you have but, like, uh, you have like remember, 3 weeks to yes, yeah. I got to get that <laughs> in these days terms I got 7. Um <laughs> but you know, I, that, that, that's one memory that I have. Uh, you know, an, another great memory is probably I wasn't, I wasn't even with anybody really when it happened was the beer that turned me on to, uh, turned me on to Sours and Wilds was, was the Leap and Zudenbahn. Yeah. And then getting to go this past summer, I went to Leafman's uh, to speak to, speak to one of their brewers and, and do, a, do a little interview with them and just kind of walk through the brewery. And that was one of those moments too, because it came full circle for me at that point. I, I remember being in my apartment in, in 20 years ago and having the exploding bottle of raspberry wheat beer. Lost probably, it was a 22 ounce Grolsch flip top. That you made. Oh yes, that I yeah, made I was in a Mr. Say. Beer kit uh-huh. and flipped it open. And uh, shot raspberry stuff all over my ceiling. Lost my lost my deposit on the on the apartment say, yeah. a couple of years later on that because that was now not going to come out. And in <laughs> uh, drinking that beer and and there was tartness. I didn't know. I, I think we've talked about this before. I didn't. You know, you didn't. You buy Mr. Beer kit. They don't tell you anything about sanitation. No, they don't care. They they're just trying to. They got you twenty bucks exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Man, they're twenty bucks now. Uh, that, I don't know what they used to be, but like I feel like back then they were like forty nine, fifty dollars. It was like brew your own one gallon. Oh, maybe it is. I don't. You know. Maybe. Yeah, but I mean, it, they, the fantastical life yeah. that I live these days. Like yeah. everything's just it's just it's twenty bucks. And everything's I just, twenty bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> um, Jesus. I'll be in the corner crying for yeah. the rest of the show. The, uh, but just tasting that original tartness, and then not really realizing what it was mm-hmm. and then tasting the Leafman's a yeah. few years later or not a few years later, but just uh, shortly after. And then finally getting to step foot into that brewery. That was another one of those special, special moments. And just even they, they have, they have a little tap room there. And, yeah. and like, I wasn't like, I wasn't greeted with, you know, 40 year old Leafman's or anything like that. We had fresh Leafman's out of the tap. 
And that moment was a wonderful, wonderful moment for me to to taste that beer and to do and to do it there. So yeah, like you said, there is a there's a sense of time and place. Yeah. And these feelings that we have and this, you know, and this fulfillment and just like a you can just take a, you know. I like that. I wonder if there's a worry that you have. When I visit breweries these days, and I, I try to go to breweries as, as close to when they open as possible, um, even though I'm a lot of the times left disappointed, and people are like, oh, yeah, we have our hazy IPAs, and we have our pastry stouts, and we have our whatever. I'm talking about breweries that opened up in 2019 or thereabouts. And they're like, oh, and we have our barrel and wild program. It's like, wow, you guys have a lot going on at the same time. And if somebody opens up in a small town, and, and, and Jersey is not too much different from Tennessee, where um, there's still room to grow, and there's still local towns and local markets that could use a brewery um, in them, I wonder if if somebody opens up and they say, well, here's our sour, and somebody tries it because they're brave, and they're left with something that is not up to the level of yours or not up to the level of uh, what I would consider to be, you know, some of the, 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 the great sour and wild breweries uh, in, in the U S St. Somewhere, uh, Jester King um, name, rare barrel, uh, you know, name your name, name, you know, pick, pick your, your favorite in there. How much does that hurt what you're trying to do in the industry right now? I mean, a lot. It really does. I mean, you remember again. It's 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 a lot of this can be very much memory based, and if you you, know, you pick up a beer that if and, and remember too that some some plenty plenty of brewers are taught the things that I I specialize in and the things that you named off you know yeah. Green Bench and and Jester and Rare Barrel these things we're doing that's the anti if you ever go to brewing school that's the anti. Of, of what you're taught as far as like, you don't want to create these flavors. Now sure. maybe I've, I personally, I've never been to brewing school. You know, maybe that's something part of the curriculum now, but that's something that you're taught that you don't want uh, in there. So I think that the, if you're, you can't just go out and it's, you know, it's the first part of our conversation is saying yeah. the word sour and, I, and maybe, maybe we're back to the beginning of the interview, but the you know the word sour i still think just kind of kind of gives this connotation that you're about to try something that's very different than what you think beer is and it it's a mental preparation it's the it's probably the the low lying fruit the the thing that just pe- makes people go wait a minute i okay let me take a step and yeah. let me let me try this and hopefully that opens your mind a little bit or you know, but if you've had a poor experience prior to that and they say, Oh, I got a sour and you're like, Oh, don't like sours. And that, and, and that's, yeah. it's, and it's an immediate, you're, you're tasting like some sort of dill, you know, dill pickle, vinegar, balsamic sourness. Well, balsamic isn't all that and bad. There, I no, mean, it's I think not. of Duchess, it, but like, yeah. I have my thoughts on that one, but I love that beer. That, it, it's, it, that, we'll fight afterwards, but like, <laughs> but I think that it has its time and place for everything like mm-hmm. that. But if somebody like, if you're given that and that wasn't the intent, sure. And and there is in there are plenty. I mean, it's I feel like I'm 
speaking out of speaking out of school here, but I mean, I think there are plenty of beers out there that were well-intentioned um, brown ales that went into a bourbon barrel that uh, maybe the 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 brewery just didn't have the proper sanitation techniques. They didn't have the right hookups to go into the barrels and then all of a sudden those those things became flanders browns yeah and that's not really what you're looking for in that and maybe they don't have a good grasp on it so it's you know it's this one-off thing and somebody again you you said the word you know there it's it's what i like to say yeah they're getting adventurous on it and they're gonna try this sour and it's it wasn't well conceived from the beginning and it wasn't well executed at serving and the whole thing just wasn't right. And then their turn, then they, they've got it locked into their head what it is. And it's difficult, you know, it's very, very easy to like take a combination lock, slam it down and spin it. Sure. Now, how hard is it? Now you got to undial that whole thing or a Rubik's cube. So, you know, maybe you've got this great, beautiful thing at the end, but getting there is like unlocking. So that's what I talk about. We need, you know, we need a few more words in there to be able to, you know, to talk to people. And maybe I, I sort of assume that, you know, people might have had quite a bit of bad experience with, with previous sours and, and ones that weren't well layered and ones that weren't conceived from the beginning of being an acidic or a tart or a funky or a dry beer. Dry beer can throw people off too. Well, sure. I mean, Duff Dry was, uh, I think, you know, probably, you know, one of the better ones. Galen, you're you're fine with the oh, filter. Good. It's okay. fine. It's, I, I can hear I get, you moving it. Okay, right good. I get, so you I'm come tra- from TV. Yes, I, I so talk with my hands. I, you do. <laughs> you know and you I do. you keep banging into so. the mics, and that's fine. Um, but you come from television, so yes. like, like you're used to microphones and... You know the full camera crew that we have here, yes. and the uh, the waivers that you had to sign. That's and right. I mean, I, gosh, I didn't think we were going to have like a film crew here too. Like, not only do we have digital, we have like film. Man, Andy Crouch, like he just he knows what he's doing these days. Um, so, <laughs> education, I think, becomes important, and it's a twofold education because I wish that one a lot of the brewers that are going to open up in the next year or so, or the ones who have opened up in the last five years. I really wish that they would go and visit the five or six breweries that we've named so far, yours included, and taste the beers and be like, okay, like if this is the benchmark, like Mm -hmm. how do we meet that? When I talked to Linus, he was talking about Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, and you talk to so many other brewers where it's like, well, we just wanted to make Sierra Nevada Pale Ale and then we wanted to make it our own. But there was at least a benchmark where I also feel like there, there's there's people who are like, oh, yeah, we put stuff in a barrel and we saw what happened. That's one education platform that happens. The mm-hmm. second is to talk to the consumers of, okay, here's what we think as one of the you know sour beer producers in America right now. Uh, that's worth your salt or worth your money. Here's what we think that this should taste like. And then also to um, maybe you had a bad experience and now we need to recalibrate where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. And so um, every year you do a festival now where you bring people in and it's people that you think, because you're the organizer of this, that (laughs) you think are doing the work that, should be done in this space 
what's the common thread for the people who come to the Embrace the Funk Festival? Is that is that what you call it? Yeah, uh, it's uh, Funk Fest. Funk Fest. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if if I would sum it up with one word, I think it would be pride. I think that uh, a lot of folks that the the brewers that we that we invite, um, they have a lot of well well thought out pride in their product and their in game and their story. So I think that what Rare Barrel does is different than what Jester King does, is what's different than what Green Bench does, sure. is what's different than County On. So I think that the pride and the the ability to to execute what they do very well is what you can you could sum it up and you can say, yeah, it's a sour beer fest. Yeah. You could. And but there's so much difference in everything that they do. I don't think you would ever pick up. I don't think you would ever get, you know, you would ever drink a Hill Farmstead beer and believe that that's, you know, that that's something that another beer, another brewery did. There's, they're distinctly different and they have, they, they have their own, they have their own nuance. They have their own, they they just have their own thing and that's sure. what we try to bring and we try to show people that it's not just this one word again going back to the beginning it's yeah. not this one word of sour and not every beer is sour i think uh uh john at off color the the shirt and, and i bought one of the shirts and i love it says wild doesn't equal sour yeah and you, you know you and i have talked about this uh, you know in in previous, previous interviews yeah. and so you you try to show you know you try to sh- you try to showcase these different these different approaches and you try to I've, you know I always believe that you know, especially with with these breweries that that we invite that what we can all bring together helps lift us all up in this you know if beer is the one percent we're the negative to one to one to one of, of all that and so I think that by showcasing by showcasing what all these different approaches can be of well-intentioned, well-layered, well-procured benchmark beers are, I think that it, I think that it raises, I think it raises the game every year. And I I do believe our festival brings, brings people together. It gets different, they get ideas off each other. You know, it's great when you see the Fanta Floras of the world talking to other breweries and going, oh, you know, man, that really would be a good idea. And you see them discussing other techniques and you see it almost as a convention's the wrong word, but it's probably the right word. You see them getting together and everybody, you know, everybody just is, is comfortable. It's, it's not your regular, it's not your regular beer fest in any form that even, you, there's no lemonade stands. You don't just walk up and stand <laughs> stand in line. There could be beers opened up on one side of the parking lot or inside yeah. the barrel cellar or on the other side. And we, you know, we do these great educational talks where we where we really try to bring two to three people uh, that are of, of note in the industry uh, together and really try to make them. 
you know, the, the star of the show at that time. And talk about what makes their what makes their brewery unique and what techniques they're doing and how that you know how that translates to the liquid in your glass. The word that you're using though, pride, bothers me. Because I, I, I meet a lot of people mm-hmm. and, and not just brewers, but writers or other people who I'm not a great writer. Uh, I've never been a great writer, and I, I, I fully admitted this. Uh, there are writers that I admire that I think are a thousand times better than I could ever hope to be. And, you know, Dan Barry at the New York Times is is, is one of these people who I, I could write something on a Tuesday, and then mm-hmm. on Wednesday I open up the paper and I read what Dan Barry wrote, and I was like, well, I'm mm-hmm. fuck, you know, like that kind of thing. Pride is one of these things that's such a personal thing where it's like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of this. This is, this is the best that I can do. Um, how do we circle that square when it comes to a consumable product like beer of, we should have pride and you should be happy mm-hmm. to it, but it shouldn't be the end marker. No, I don't, I don't even know. I don't think that that's even the definition. The end marker is pride. Pride is the end marker. Yeah. Um, what I what I refer to is what they are doing in their own space. Yeah. That is, they feel like is the best product. But that they you, that they bring out. But do you so worry that you, it can hurt or help the overall category of sour, yeah, wild, spontaneous, sure. insert it, or just your word any, here, or just yeah. anything. Um, I don't, I don't know. Okay. I, I really don't. I would rather somebody be confident yeah. in their quality control. I think that that's something, obviously there's been plenty of stories recently, uh, about quality control. And I think you should be very prideful in your quality control. I think we are here at the brewery. Uh-huh. Um, I think there's a lot of things that you should be very confident in, and you should be very pleased with. You know, especially again, if you're going to put out a product that can, you know, make somebody's celebration great or the worst day of their life better. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a bad word. Um, I think it's maybe on how you view what the definition of the word is, but I yeah. think that people should be, I think people should be happy and 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 prideful in what they've, you know, what they produced, and especially if they distributed it. And they send it out to somebody and expect somebody else to sell it, and they should be they should be confident and and prideful and in the product that they've made for for the end you know the end consumer. You've been doing this for a while, and as we start to wind down, I'm curious as to what are you curious about now? What do you want to learn going forward? What has piqued your interest in beer making? And what you want to bring to a draft account, to a bottled account, to you're not canning yet, but like, you know, where are you in your journey right now that you want to, you found a new path and that you want to take a couple of steps down that? Yeah, I still think spontaneous, spontaneous and capturing the essence of where you, where you live, uh, where, where you're brewing, where, where your local orchards are, um, I'm not trying to pound the the local, local, local type thing, 
But I think that... But that's important for what you do. I do think it is important. I I do. And I don't want to exhaust people on it because you're you're hit with that at grocery stores. You're hit with that everywhere. But I do think it is important to what we're doing. And I do think when we start rolling out some of these beers that it will be a focus yeah. as to what we do, because I don't think you, you are truly creating a, a product that's not recreatable somewhere else. Now you can certainly take those techniques and I'm, I'm not going to go down that whole you know, lambic and method traditional <laughs> path yeah, at the gonna. end of your podcast right now. But I think that you are the, the, you're creating something, something truly unique with a, with a process that pays a lot of great respect to what's happened you know, hundreds of years before. So I, spontaneous to me, I, I'm just, God, I'm just having so much fun right now, blending and tasting through some of our cool ship beers and our spontaneous beers and, and thinking again about what the, what the greats of, of Dree and Bone and Jester and, and what Degard has done. I, you know, I, I, I taste some of theirs and they're all, they're, they're just uniquely different and they, do, they all do such a wonderful job at yeah. what they do. And, you know, and it's inspirational. And I think that that's, to me, that's, that's what I'm having the most, the most fun about. And that's what I'm looking forward to in 2020. I mean, we even changed our, um, our, uh, our private membership program, our state of funk, that all the beers this year are going to be from our cool ship this cool. year so that's fun thanks for sitting down this was a lot of fun it's always fun yeah yeah thanks, cheers dude. buddy yeah that's brandon jones of embrace the funk and yazoo brewing come visit him and other great brewers at funk fest on may 2nd 2020 in nashville more info at yazoobrew.com or on twitter you can reach brandon at embrace the funk and the brewery at yazoo brew And I'll be there as well, so stop over, say hello, and do me a kindness and leave a comment or review about this podcast on your platform of preference. It helps other people find the show and lets more people join in on the conversation. And my thanks to all of you who have taken the time to do so so far. Do you like what you hear? Do you have suggestions? you want to tell me about someone you think I should get on mic? Drop me a note at John Hall, it's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L, at BeerEdge.com, or you can join me on Twitter at John underscore Hall. Nate Schweber does the music, Jeff Quinn designed the logo, Andy Crouch does it for the hot chicken. And if you want to learn more about advertising on this show and other Beer Edge products, drop Ryan Newhouse a note at ryan at beeredge.com. And speaking of that, this episode was sponsored by Cigar City Brewing. Hunabu Day is coming up. It's on March 13th, 2020 at the Amelie Arena in Tampa, and you can join a few thousand fellow beer drinkers to enjoy Imperial Stouts, talk directly with brewers, and be the envy of your beer friends. With more than 100 breweries in attendance, it's a true craft experience for all beer drinkers. The festival should be on every beer bucket list, and if you go once, there's a good chance you'll likely return year after year just like I do. Learn more at CigarCityBrewing.com events. And Drink Beer, Think Beer is produced by Beer Edge, the newsletter for beer professionals. A subscription to Beer Edge provides readers with smart and critical insights into the business and culture of beer. We talk directly to the players making an impact and report stories our audience has not heard before. The team at Beer Edge offers up a fresh and unfiltered look at the world of beer. Subscribe at BeerEdge.com. And that's it. That's the show for this week. I'm John Hall, and I'll be back next week to drink beer and think beer, and I hope you'll tune in. Cheers. Cheers.